you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. People of London and surrounding territories, the Around the NFL podcast is coming back to your neck of the woods. Thursday, October 12th at the Shaw Theater in London Town. And you can be there, but you're going to have to buy tickets, Mark. <laughs> you got to buy them. Greg, give them the information. If they don't buy them, what are they doing here in London? Uh, it's going to go on sale Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock. London time, Wednesday morning, September 20th. So it, it's soon if you're listening to this. The pre-sale code is WES. Again, the pre-sale, 9 o'clock, Wednesday morning. Check our socials on Tuesday. We're going to put the links up on the Around the NFL uh, handle. We'll put them up on Twitter, a.k.a. X. Don't wait for the general on sale. That goes on sale on Friday, the 22nd. Uh, but the Shaw Theater be a little smaller than the one a year ago. So I think tickets are going to go fast. Make sure you jump on it. Yes, tickets are limited, so be there. It's fun. Always a good time. We love doing live shows in London, and we can't wait to see you again. Here we go, baby. The Around the NFL podcast. Things fumbling makes the game more fun. Welcome to another edition of Around the NFL. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. It is a super-packed Monday night show. Quick note, uh, you heard at the very top of the show, live show from London. Get your tickets this week or miss out. Also, a little shift to our schedule. We are going to be doing our Monday night program, Monday night recap, and we're adding our news to this show, so a little different than the schedule that maybe you saw last week. We're figuring it out. That's how it works around here, Greg. Trial and error, baby. And uh, this one is jam, not just the two Monday night games, uh, which were wild and ugly and weird, but like a lot of a lot of big news uh, around the league. Unfortunately, the biggest one happened in this game. I'm feeling a little bit of a flashback to, to last Monday night in terms of the vibes of losing one of the best players in the league. Yeah, Cleveland Browns running back Nick Chubb suffered a terrible knee injury, one of those type of injuries that um, you know the telecast does not even – show replays of uh, after the game 
a win, a narrow win by the Steelers. Coach Kevin Stefanski confirmed that Chubb is done for the season mm. with a significant injury. Uh, according to Rap Sheet, uh, that injury includes multiple torn ligaments. He'll have tests done. But uh, Mark uh, Chubb, who's a guy that everybody loves to watch, one of the very best players in the league, uh, to see him go down like this completely undercut uh, tonight's football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if, if you looked at how you organize offenses, um, almost all of them are around a quarterback, and Cleveland can say it's around their quarterback, but it's been around Nick Chubb for years. And uh, it's pretty telling to me that when he was taken off the field that you're in Pittsburgh Stadium and Steelers fans, uh, the number one rivalry to Cleveland, um, hate the Browns in many ways. Like, and what do you get? You have Steelers fans chanting his name as he's taken away because I think that Nick Chubb, if you've watched football for a long time, if you watch sports, like he harks back to something a little bit different than the mouthy um, athletes you might get from today. He's silent. He just goes about his work. He punishes people. Um, he's consistent. Uh, he's the heart of that offense, and he's gone. And uh, the the crowd there saw the injury, which a lot of people at home didn't, uh, watching the ESPN broadcast. And, and they mentioned Joe and, and Troy doing the game, just how, how they gasped. And we, we had a, a second monitor up at, at work when, while I was watching, so I did see it too. And it's just unfortunate that it's so similar to – a week ago that this guy who's a, a franchise player. And to me, if like you needed one person on planet earth to get six yards for you in a given play, and he was playing fantastic tonight. He was, the, he was the best player on the field while he was on the field uh, tonight. To me, it, it would be Nick Chubb. So it, it's just really disappointing. And then the way the game played out and we'll, we'll get to that really reminded me of that too, where the, the team that couldn't get a first down that was kind of outplayed for most of it, ends up coming back and winning that game. Uh, the the dif difference here is the Browns, you know, lost Chubb and, and they lost the game too. It, it's just a nightmare situation. It's, it's the football is a, you know, beautiful game, but the injury side of it, it's just, you can't, you just almost can't fathom that somebody as talented as Chubb suffers an injury that gruesome. And now we only hope uh, that this is something where doctors and modern science gets him right and he's back on the field and he's he's a comeback player of the year type guy next year. But uh, for now, Nick Chubb's uh, season is over and uh, let's now get to the games. We're going to do both the Monday Night Football games uh, and then we're going to do news, just get you caught up on the other things going on around the league. But let's start with what happened at whatever the hell Acrashore is. <laughs> Neil showing blitz. Here he comes. Pressure ball out. Picked up. What? Touchdown Steelers. Wow, that place was going bonkers. Even leading up to that play, uh, that place was going bonkers. And then a huge play there. Uh, Alex Highsmith, outside linebacker. Uh, beats Jedrick Willis off the edge, chops the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hands. T.J. Watt scoops it up, takes it in 17 yards for the go-ahead touchdown midway through the fourth quarter, and that was the difference for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, behind two defensive touchdowns, beat the Cleveland Browns 26-22 on Monday night in a game that, you know, it's just uh, unbelievable. The Browns against the rival 
Steelers losing Nick Chubb and then you lose this game on top of it. It's just terrible um, for the Steelers. They needed it. They needed uh, this game, uh, Greg, uh, from their defense because once again, the offense with, you know, there were moments here and there in this game. They were better than week one, which isn't saying much, but they needed multiple scores from their defense to take this game and they just happened to get it on Monday night. Right. They had the 71-yard touchdown to George Pickens on a slant, a pretty routine play that he just took off and there was a hole in, in the Browns' defense. Beyond that, they only had other eight other first downs and basically no big plays eight. other than eight, other than that one. There were nine total. They had like that 30-yard dump off to a running back. They just couldn't get yards. And once you got into the fourth quarter and the Browns had retaken the lead and their offense had their share of struggles, certainly – um, but they were moving the ball a little bit better. You really thought that the Steelers, who pinned Cleveland back inside their five-yard line twice, were going to have to score to win this game. The defense was going to have to score to win this game, and they actually did it. And T.J. Watt gets the glory with the touchdown, but Alex Highsmith was part of both touchdowns. He he had the pick six early on the deflection, and he had the forced fumble, and it wasn't because of injuries. It was against the left tackle, Jedrick Wills, their first-round pick, and Highsmith has turned into maybe the premier second-pass rusher in the league. One of them, Demarcus Lawrence. There, there's other great ones, but he was fantastic tonight, and he was part of a Steelers defense that had 11 quarterback hits, six sacks, nine tackles for loss, and eight passes defense. They just were all over the place making big plays, and that's what they needed because their offense wasn't going to get it done. Yeah, I mean, if you told me five hours ago that Pittsburgh at home would have um, six sacks, four takeaways, and two defensive touchdowns, uh, I wouldn't suggest the Browns would win that game. They're 1-22 coming into this game under Kevin Stefanski in games where they trail by four points in the fourth quarter. Mm. That tells you a lot. The Steelers have won 21 games in a row on Monday Night Football. Um, Cleveland and Pittsburgh what? have a yeah. They've, they have they've a pretty, won 21 games in a row on Monday Night Football. Yeah, they have a pretty ingrained DNA against <laughs> Cleveland. And like I would say that the that you know obviously I have my own um, complicated rela- relationship with the Browns right now, but I found myself getting worked up, and it wasn't just the Chubb injury. It was just the way that um, you got into the latter stages of this game and. You've, you've kind of sold your soul to surround yourself around Deshaun Watson, um, who continues to not play very well. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper, what a gutsy performance to go out injured with a groin injury and play the way he did um, to even suit up and go in there. Uh, I just, I, I, I watch this Browns team on offense and it's like, I'm watching Jim Schwartz on the defensive coordinator. Like he is dialed in and this defense is special. And it kind of, Dan, it kind of reminds me a little bit. It's not to the same degree. But the Jets on defense give you a chance to win, and the Browns defense does the same. And uh, I just have no faith that this quarterback and this offense is going to pull you out of a hole. And it's just like they look lost to me on that side of the ball. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it was very a very frustrating watch. Um, there's so much talent with Miles Garrett and everyone on that side of the ball. That's why I think they, I have faith that they can still go win nine or ten games without hmm. Chubb. I think Jerome Ford is a – Seems like a competent, potentially competent um, fill-in for Chubb, but you've lost the heart and soul of your offense, and I don't trust the quarterback. Uh, the, the parallels, Mark, on a personal uh, aside here, are not lost on me, and I'm sure many listeners that, like, you know, 
uh, your your history with the Browns, uh, my history with the Jets, and what happened last week at the Meadowlands. It was like this special defense that has this star on the other side of the ball that if you put these two things together, special things could happen. And Cleveland, that's what Chubb represents. Now, Deshaun Watson is the guy that they, like you said, on some level you could say sold their soul to get that QB1 they've been searching for since Bernie Kosar. Um, but... Uh, it was Chubb that was the engine of this offense. And yeah, I think there is something, if you're a Browns fan, to take out of Jerome Ford, who had that beautiful 69-yard run where he almost took it to the house. And uh, and and you, you can say, okay, we still have an offensive line that can, can maul in the run game, and maybe Watson puts it together. But the Deshaun Watson side of it, he... I think he, he struggled here in one, I think the first big like kind of showtime primetime moment with the Browns where you got to make the play. He was kind of holding that ball out like a loaf of bread on the big strip fumble recovery um, and then was not able to make anything happen on the ensuing drive to dig him out of it. That's what they're paying him for to make a play on one of those possessions. And it just didn't happen. So a night of epic frustrations for Cleveland uh, Watson, not getting it done is just was kind of like the reverse cherry on top. Yeah. It almost felt like the Steelers defense at the beginning of that final drive. Watson gets the ball back needing a touchdown to go win the game in Pittsburgh. Tough spot, you know, especially the way that they had looked and the Steelers start dropping coverage and actually was protected pretty well and made a couple nice throws. That's, that's the thing about the Watson experience, especially this year so far as there are nice throws. He's obviously a talented player. He had five or six throws tonight that, that were excellent or they were just out of bounds. Like the timing was off, but there were more plays that just spoke of a quarterback who wasn't confident in what he was seeing. Troy Aikman pointed out quite a bit where he was just, late on everything you thought of the the first couple of plays uh, of the game not a miscommunication on that pick six we don't know who's in at fault but it was ultimately a bad throw where they're not on the same page he's late on a, a wide open kind of hitch route where a guy's over the middle and that's just an unforced error and then on the last drive this is an effect of a good defensive coordinator started sending the heat and they got a lot of pressure on him but you saw his eyes coming down really fast there was a play around midfield where he was actually protected well on that final drive. And almost immediately after he didn't see someone open, he just sort of started running around in a circle when actually he was protected and he ran into his own pressure and then wound up getting sacked. And there were just many of those moments where you could tell he's not comfortable in this offense. He doesn't seem to know what he's seen in the same way that he used to when he was in Houston. You saw some cutaways to Stefanski on the sideline, including one late in the game. I believe it was the kind of last sack he took uh, before the fourth down. I think that might be the very play I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. and they cut to Stefanski, who had a kind of look on his face like, oh, man, we need to be a little better than that. And so they they have a lot of work to do, obviously, on offense, and it's going to be more difficult uh, without Chubb. And like we said, Mark, the – Pittsburgh totally flatlined on offense in week one. So you could look at in some ways uh, <laughs> progress, but like Greg said, eight first downs, like this is a problem. This is, this is now two weeks in where you have one of the worst offenses in football. You got totally bailed out by your defense that had an all time primetime effort. Otherwise you're Owen two and you're asking questions that you don't want answers to potentially. Yep. I would say a bright spot is George Pickens, who probably had the best game of his career. Um, but I'm looking at an imbalanced attack that had two yards rushing in the first half. Um, mm. Everything that we heard about in the summer 
Um, that I wouldn't say that that's what I fell for with the Steelers. I just kind of like the idea of their talent growing up together. Um, they're not there yet. And, you're, you know, you're relying on T.J. Watt kind of like week after week. And um, he went up against a rookie uh, right tackle tonight. And that was not a bad matchup for him at all. But, like, I, I'm, I'm watching this offense. Now, you played San Francisco and you played Cleveland. These may be two of the top three or four defenses in the league. So there's that. Um, and you can keep resetting. It's early in the year. And I do think that, you know, Pickett um, in general has a lot of chance to grow. But um, it's two weeks in a row where it's like Matt Canada, you got a lot of pressure on you. They kept cutting away to him. And it's like you, you, they, then they're cutting to the crowd and they're shaking their head because they can't convert X, Y, and Z. And it's like it's a frustrating situation when one side of the ball is not living up to the other side. It creates problems. Um, I trust the defense 100%, and Pittsburgh's offense is the absolute TBD. Every time they get a couple of running plays going, you can almost smell that Matt Canada is going to do some wonky end around to Calvin Austin that's going to lose like four yards, or they needed one yard <laughs> in that final drive to maybe put away the game, and they do this crazy complicated play that you could, you know, with motion and handoffs and pickets like faking it almost like it's an option and it's like something the Eagles would pull off and or the Chiefs would pull off and they'd look great and they just completely botch it and lose three yards and they just seem to not know what to count on. Uh, but I do think they're talented enough to eventually get there. I just don't know if, if the coaching is there. Um, one last note here. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick, um, standout defensive back of the Steelers. He also suffered an injury in this game. It was a chest injury, and he ended up um, at a local hospital undergoing mm. evaluation. Also, you know, the, the play, it's a, it's interesting, just as pu- from a pure, uh, now just watching, you know, sports fan on TV. Uh, I don't know where you guys come down on the don't show the injury um, side of things. They used to in the old days. I remember Napoleon McCallum on Monday Night Football 30 years ago suffered a grotesque knee injury for the Raiders that they would show over and over and over again. Um, Joe and then Theismann, this, they would always show that one. Joe Theismann, uh, I mean, how about this Super Bowl Sunday when you've got, you know, uh, Grandma Nelly watching um, Tim Crumry, they showed right. his legs snapping too, you know. And now we, we've kind of hit the point where we treat these serious injuries as if uh, how, how broadcasting treats fans that run on the field, like don't show it. Um, I'm not saying I need to see it, but like I'm seeing a bunch of tweets here by people coming after Mika Fitzpatrick for a low hit and everything. I just didn't, I didn't see enough of it because of the hmm. way the telecast handled the injury. And I understand why they do it, but also it is a, a sports telecast. It's kind of a, a, a very, it's a, a news event for the league. Uh, they just not seeing what happened was kind of interesting, but that's how it's done now. It's just more a, a observation rather than me. Yeah, it's it's new. I think that's really just the last couple of years that that's come up. But that was um, a condensed play in the box where, yeah, he he dove at him to tackle him. I, I think that's a, a typical football play. And it, it's part of the reason why, like, there's a little bit of a downbeat note to, tonight. It's like that injury happened. There were just injuries everywhere. Greg Newsom, the great slot cornerback for the Browns, had an elbow injury and left this game. Denzel Ward never came back from the locker room as far as I'm, I'm, I knew uh, when he left the game with an injury. So it was just Zedarius Smith left at one point and was carted off or was helped off the field. And then he, he did return to the game. It was just like an endless sea of misery of, with these injuries. You've just named three of their top four defensive players. Right. And the the whole <laughs> the the Browns situation for me like Mark getting to know you all these years and 
and understanding the um, kind of shared DNA of pain and, and what it feels like to be a fan that your team is cursed. Like the Deshaun Watson um, situation really did like cloud what remains a great fan base and um, a, a team with proud tradition that is is trying, trying to get over the hump and back to being competitive team year after year and set up so well. Everyone has their feelings about Watson, but for, I, I feel for Browns fans, just like I know a lot of Browns fans and other team and fan bases that never seem to get over the hump felt for the Jets on Monday night. Um, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add, Mark. Um, well, all ahead. I'd say is like the one thing about these seasons, because, you know, you got to ride the wave and like, um, do I want to be like the seventh grade me that goes into some sort of a shell and doesn't emerge again? It's like they they have another game with Pittsburgh in Cleveland. And like, so you want to, you want to split with the Steelers. And if you go in any season, then knowing you're going to split with your number one rival arch enemy, you'd be all right with that. And so there's another chance for this. Um, can the offense become more Watson-esque? Um, because it's not so Nick Chubb focused. I don't like the idea of that, but maybe that helps him. He doesn't seem comfortable in this offense right now. Uh, th- that's that's sort of the huge, we, we, the thing that we just don't know. Um, it's extremely frustrating because I think if you're a Browns fan and you, if you're a, if you're a, been following a struggling franchise, there's always going to be one or two teams that just pound you like, you know, year after year. And the Brown Steelers rivalry has not been one. Um, outside of that Baker Mayfield uh, playoff game. Mm. And frankly, Baker, Baker Mayfield's played better than Deshaun Watson right now. So like these fortunes that you seek, um, you don't know where they're going to take you. And so we'll see what happens. I think if you're a Browns fan and you're dyed in the wool, um, you've got a great defense and you see what happens. You you kicked this, the butt of the Bengals a week ago. You're one and one in the division. It's you outplayed the Steelers tonight. It should be mentioned by about 150 yards. And they did. On the but that's that's us. that's where I that's where I start to push back because they did. But I mentioned that's that stat under, under Stefanski. They don't have the DNA of a team that finds a way in the end to win it. They find a way to just not win it. And it's like, you've got to switch that. You cannot be that team. And they, and they went and got the quarterback thinking that would change all that. And in fact, it, it made it more emphatic. He seems more lost. They seem more lost than at any other time on some level, considering the talent. And I don't like that. And the Steelers, 1991. <laughs> October 14th, 1991, the last time they lost Monday Night Football. Is, am I crazy or is that actually like we had fun with the Ravens preseason winning streak? Isn't that even crazier? It is. It's yeah. crazier. I don't know how that one slipped. I mean, it's slip, a testament to here. how incredible they, in terms of consistency from Chuck Knoll uh, to Bill Cower to now Mike Tomlin, but to never lose once. And they play Monday night every year a couple yeah, times. Yeah, dude, I was like. getting like a hard C minus in Algebra 2 the last time they lost a Monday <laughs> night football game. So it's like Vanilla Ice was like on the top of the charts. That's 1991. All right, let's move to the other Monday night game. Uh, this one played in Charlotte. Ian Jones makes a cut and scores. From the practice squad to the end zone. What a night for Tony Jones Jr. Stepping up after Jamal Williams went down. And the Saints stretch the lead. Two possession game, 314 to play. The annoying thing is that Chris Olave had a really great play. He just stepped out of bounds. 
Toronto gets Mark back, and then we have a fairly routine touchdown run for, by Tony Jones. Uh, but you know what? It was that kind of night. Was kind of, it was that kind of yeah, game. Yeah, that kind of night. You're right. But wait, does anybody want to hear the fact that I needed three points from Jamal Williams tonight in my fantasy league? No, probably <laughs> nobody do. needs to see that. Please tell us more. Another Get injury. well soon, Jamal. Another injury. Uh, the Saints uh, take care of business on the road, beating a Panthers team that is still searching for it on offense. 20-17. to 17. Uh, Derek Carr and the New Orleans offense. No great shakes in this game. Um, again, playing without Alvin Kamara suspended and losing Jamal Williams early on. That doesn't help a lot. You got a lot of Taysom Hill in this game. And just like last week, uh, Derek Carr maybe didn't overwhelm with a great quarterback play, but when he needed a big play, he hits Rashid Shaheed for 45 yards. That was a major, major uh, conversion in this game. And uh, from there, Mark, it was about the defense uh, of the Saints, which pretty much that this looks closer than it really was. It was 2010, and then they played this like crazy prevent D, which drives me nuts to give up eight more points. It was 20 to nine, uh, but Carolina did nothing in this game on offense. Yeah, like uh, so I would give credit to Derek Carr because I think that the opposite of what I just talked about with Cleveland's offense is that two weeks in a row, you know. Carr seems um, emotionally unaffected by the slow start and fa- finds a way to make plays and, and, and get the Saints out of trouble in this. Um, you, you're helped by playing a Carolina offense that is, uh, you know, underdeveloped and lost at sea. Um, their offensive line play is rough. Uh, you've got you've got Adam Thielen and DJ Chark as your wideouts. They had 44 yards rushing like midway through the third quarter, 85 yards total in the first half. Bryce Young is just sort of figuring it out. Um, and the Saints defense comes in and takes advantage of that. I, I kind of watched this and felt like, why is this on prime? That did not feel like a primetime game to me. It did not feel like a, I mean, it, there's two islands tonight, but it didn't feel like it belonged on any island to me. Um, it was a bit of a rough watch, but it's like, you're going to get that because you're, you're throwing Bryce Young on national television in week two. And like, I, I like some things I see. But it's like that's just sort of that's the Saints. Just it's a sitting duck for the New Orleans Saints. Well, not all primetime games are created equal. Certainly not. They, you know, they, they the ESPN ABC chooses which game to send the the A team to. That that was the first game we talked about, and then it's a spot where you get the number one overall pick uh, in primetime before they might have a, a bad record later in the year. This is only one zero oh and one. Unfortunately, a lot of times early picks aren't really put in a good position to succeed right away. Now, C.J. Stroud's looked okay, and Anthony Richardson's had his moments. It hadn't stayed on the field. But Bryce Young, you mentioned it, is just surrounded by uh, so many things that aren't working, his offensive line, a, a lack of explosion at receiver, and he's not able to overcome that either. And it's largely because he's, play, he's playing a defense that seems almost built for this moment, they, built for this season. Because I was thinking – the Saints didn't give up a touchdown in their first 118 minutes of this season until that garbage time. And I was like, wow, well, like it's not going to be this good, though, when they start playing real teams. And I look at the schedule, and it's like, there aren't many good offenses on this. Atlanta will be a challenge, and there'll, there'll be other challenges, certainly. They play Green Bay next week. I'm not saying they're a favorite for that. But you look up and down, you don't see them play a murderer's row, and they seem like the type of defense that's been together a long time. It's players, not plays. Marshawn Lattimore has given up 15 yards this year. Demario Davis made the biggest play of this game with a big-time sack on on Bryce Young. 
they're just in tune. Pete Warner's making plays all over the the field. Cameron Jordan's there. It's just it's a good defense that I think is going to beat up on some bad offenses, and they got a lot of bad offenses on their schedule. Yeah, and that's what kind of just from a, a purist standpoint of uh, I want this game to match the score to match what the game was. I wish they would have played real defense on that last drive because <laughs> they let the, the Panthers dink and dunk 75 yards for the touchdown and two-point conversion. Bryce Young finished with 153 yards passing, and I think – I think virtually all, if not all, those 75 yards on the last drive were on check down passes through the air, little dump offs. So he threw for about 75 yards in the first 58 minutes of the game. Uh, They did nothing. uh, uh, They couldn't really get anything going on the ground. Carolina, only 19 carries. So they kind of took that out of the realm of things as well. And yeah, for me, what you're saying is right, Greg. I, I don't see... The Saints, I picked the Saints to win the division because you just don't see um, a huge level of uh, competition around them. So like the Saints and the Falcons are two teams that stand out to me as uh, groups that can win 10 or even 11 games. How about those 2-0 and Bucks? We got three undefeated teams in this division. Wow. You're not I, there. I'm not really putting that on that. But that's I didn't even, true for That's now. true too. <laughs> yeah. And the Panthers are hanging out there. They're waiting. They're waiting for liftoff, Mark, because this this idea, of course, is that you finally get the quarterback you want. But maybe uh, David Tepper is learning that. Well, it's not that simple either. You got to build around the kid, and right now there's just not a lot for him. Yeah, I think their strength, if anything, you would say would be a defense that can, um, you know, disrupt certain opponents. Um, Shaq Thompson heard tonight. J.C. Horn obviously out for a while. That's a big loss. Like, I know he's not been on the field as much as you'd want at all, but, like, he is a fascinating cornerback. Um, that's a big loss for them. So it's like they're another one of these teams just, like, you're taking players out of the mix over and over. And the, it, who knows what their overall, like, team-building philosophy is, but we're a couple years into this general manager, and, like, the offense is punchless without a lot of big names. And um, you got a rookie quarterback in a tough situation and a defense losing guys. So it's like, once again, the Panthers are a little, they're, they're a step behind and it's like, it's a developmental year. And like, I, I like Frank Reich and I think Frank Reich is, is maybe I'm out of, maybe I'm saying this incorrectly, but I feel he's like a little over celebrated where it's like, oh, it's Frank Reich. So it's security <laughs> and a great offense. Like maybe, I, I don't know what, what he's done. That's such a difference making um, situation from a coaching level. I think he brings like a Ron Rivera offensive types, um, vanilla security to the organization, but mm. I, I, I'm not overly impressed so far. It's like, I, I don't like, I don't like the offense at this point. The, the good all. thing is it's a baseline and they can reset expectations that they weren't maybe going to be this like great, great surprise team, but it is something where you just are hoping in the middle of the season, they start having one of those runs where you can see the progress mostly out of uh, Bryson. Cause they, they have played well on defense. I mean, you mentioned I'd agree. Bryce Young had 75 yards late in the game. I mean, Derek Carr wasn't uh, above that in the mid- middle of the third quarter. He had about 20 throws for 100 yards and had been sacked three or four times at one point. And you got Frankie Louvu and Brian Burns, and it's very similar to their week one game where the defense balled out for about two and a half quarters. And at some point, they just had to give in. And that's why, again, I say players, not plays. The Saints have some good players. I mean, Michael Thomas has looked good enough like he looks like Michael Thomas he made a big play in in the red zone to set up a a touchdown Chris Olave had the one of the best catches of the year on the sideline 
making a diving catch with that that one hand that was just uh, unbelievable. And then you mentioned Shahid. It's like you dial up a Shahid play every once in a while. Taysom Hill gets in there. He starts playing running back because Jamal Williams uh, isn't in. Mm-hmm. Taysom Hill always is good for a few good plays. It's like they got some good players here. They, they haven't protected Carr well. That's their, their number one concern. They got to be way better on offense to actually be a team that matters, <laughs> though. Like they are not, like you said, they're not protecting Carr, who's – now been sacked eight times in two games. They haven't scored in the first half in either game. <laughs> fair point. They, fair they, point. They're hitting some big <laughs> throws late in the game and, and in general getting the play here and there to beat mediocre competition, but this is not going to last against big-time teams. But to your point, Greg, there aren't a ton on their schedule. So I don't know. Maybe they're the Vikings this year. Mm, uh, I, could see, I could see that. I could see um, that. They're like the defensive version – of the Vikings. I it's gonna annoy people, but especially if the Falcons end up playing one, we'll see about the Bucks. But this NFC South schedule is gonna help everyone and those teams are gonna have a chance to make the playoffs, you know, multiple teams in this division potentially over some teams that, that are more talented. I can't buy into the Bucks being in this equation late in the year, but I, I totally can see the Saints and Falcons. I'm not even quite here. there with. I'm not quite there on the Bucks. You don't need here. to occupy your mind space with the Bucks at this point, Dan. No. Let's. let's in fact, there's too many. There's too many teams in this NFC South that I'm potentially supposed to be taking seriously, and I don't know if I can do with with any of them. So I'll settle for two right now at this juncture of the season, but I can't go there with the team in Tampa. Even that feels generous. So that it, it uh, is a little speaks bit. to it your character. Bit. Um, All right, let's take a break here and then we'll get you caught up on the news. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. All right, we're back. Let's dive into the news. Here's what you missed uh, today if your head was in. Well, you could have been doing a lot of things, and that's what we're here to do. This will get you caught up to date. Let's start with Saquon Barkley, who exited um, action late in Sunday's uh, big comeback in Arizona with an ankle injury. He looked very frustrated when it happened. Uh, Reports in the locker room painted him as an unhappy camper amidst a ton of smiles and celebrations, and you're just fearing for the worst. However... Uh, reports uh, from Rap Sheet. There was optimism that he avoided a major injury. And then a very strange report got out there that the ankle injury is in, I think they had, the term was an ordinary ankle ordinary. sprain, which is a very strange way to put it. I guess that means not a high ankle sprain. I but think maybe. they're saying lower. That's what that means. Yeah, why don't we say lower then? Ordinary is a very strange way to put it. Anyway, he's expected, according to Schefter, to miss three weeks, uh, which is not ideal for the Giants, but it could have been worse. Well, that's so that obviously we already knew that the 49ers on Thursday night was a no go. But 
Um, the Giants basically already are in a playoff uh, schedule type scenario because you go on to that next game against the Seahawks, then the Dolphins, then the Bills. Um, we'll see the- if he's there for the wow. Bills. Uh, it's such a TBD, but um, you know, minus uh, you know, 25 minutes of football on Sunday, the Giants looked like a total disaster. Turn it around. Um, right out of the gate, coming off of that, you lose Saquon Barkley. Uh, I like Matt Breida. Um, it's a major step down from Saquon. Their whole offense is built around Saquon. And it's kind of just like another... You like Matt Breida? You what? I like Breida. Still, I don't like him Matt Breida is still... Okay. Yeah, you got Thank Gary you. Brightwell and Eric Gray, if that's your cup of tea. I mean, but, Matt um, Breida's not an old man or anything. How old is like he? He's been around about 40 years at this point. He no, has he, bounced no, around many teams. Right. You are correct. But he is only 28 and his seventh Why don't we call Joe Morris? Team. I mean, what else? who else can we uh, excavate? O.J. Like Anderson. Two years old or something. I it's think it's a different situation else. than the Browns, for instance, though. We saw Jerome Ford, and they were really excited about Jerome Ford in the preseason and we saw two special runs he also had a run that should have been like an eight yard loss and he ends up having a nice gain on it the Giants have one of the most lackluster backup running back rooms I think in the league so I they could even look to pick someone else up but it's it's Danny Dimes time it's time for the passing game to really carry them and I gotta say I know it was against the Cardinals but I was quite encouraged by his performance in that game, I think it was one of the best games of his career, uh, just in terms of the amount of really high-quality throws he made. I don't know if he can back that up week after week, but it was encouraging considering uh, the way this season had started because they're going to need that passing game to carry them now, or else they could be 1-4. and four. I mean, like, the over-under on them winning those three games is what? One? One, one win out of those three games? I think uh, a Giants fan will tell you in his, in, in his darkest hour, he will admit, just give me one keep my season afloat get to two and three yeah uh in Giants other... fans are not that reasonable from what i uh recall <laughs> in my life danny dimes he's back uh joe burrow suffered uh, or aggravated that calf injury suffered originally in training camp Bengals head coach zach taylor you know he was pretty open he wasn't sure whether uh burrow will be on the field in week three against the rams here's zach it's, that's hard to say right now. You know, I did it really one of the last three plays of the game probably. So just sore. We haven't done anything on the field yet. All right, this is this is tough. Now let's – I want to check out this Bengals schedule because I think the move – and I know fantasy heads don't want to hear this and Bengals fans don't want to hear this. I think you got to shut this guy down for a few weeks and see mm. if you can get this thing uh, taken care of so before it blows your season in the second half. They have home against the Rams – then they have Joe and Troy don't want to hear that. They're the Monday night football game next week. I know these primetime games are getting dinged a little bit with these injuries. Um, <laughs> Rams at home at Tennessee at Arizona. I'm telling you today is September 18th. We're taping this game. I'm keeping Burrow out of the lineup until October 15th. VC Hawks. That's just me. I'm very concerned about this injury. Um, it's going to be something if they don't really give it the proper time. I don't think it ever heals, and it's it could blow up their whole season. It, it's kind of a worst case scenario. It is, but it's like you know what the, you know what they already did was give him that amount of time to heal from it. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, and when he injured it, um, you know, there were people saying that he had the like kind of a sleeve on his calf already, like something had already happened to him. He alluded um, to that that yeah, that he was already fighting through it right. the day that he got hurt. 
So I think right, it's but like, you can unless doctors are saying it's one of those things. Well, it can't get worse if you play on it. But I don't think that's how calves work. You could rip the thing or God forbid the Achilles goes. And then all of a sudden we're talking in an even darker world. It's just one of those injuries. The calf is a tricky one for a professional athlete. And I'm, I'd be super nervous uh, in the Midwest. And it's it's sort of, you know, it, over the couple of weeks of the season, it's it's just yet another team where um their destiny just teeters on the on the brink on the edge because I, it was I kind of was like listening to people saying like in the lead up to the season like oh we don't know about Burrow's calf and I was like well isn't he healthy like he's like not on the injury report he's fine like like probably he'll be okay and like uh, bang out of the gate like he's hobbling after that loss and it's just like man this thing could go so far south and it's like you take him out of the mix and the Bengals are a five win team and they already didn't look good with him in the lineup right i mean their offense has struggled with him in there you have Jake Browning this was something i was hammering over and over in the preseason that i didn't understand why they would go into the season with Browning v Simeon who just both looked terrible terrible in the preseason and honestly it might have been a little uh, canary in the cold mine there because they were playing with the starters at some point and they couldn't move the ball with with T Higgins and, and Chase so maybe it was more of a systemic thing but Burrow talked after the game and he he just sounded so downbeat and it's so unlike him and it was so different than how he sounded after week one where he was very defiant after week one saying like basically I'm going to be great and this we just got to work through this and then after week two he's saying I need to get some sleeps I really can't tell how this is going to be you could tell he was down about it yeah I mean it's got to be hugely frustrating because it's it was something he thought was in the rear view uh and for it now to pop back up at a time when the team is struggling I think he just feels I would imagine in a vulnerable frustrated spot uh his rival his greatest rival is Patrick Mahomes there is nothing negative to report around Mahomes on this Monday night because the superstar quarterback in the Kansas City Chiefs agreed to terms on a restructured deal that pays the QB $210.6 million between now and the 2026 season. That's the most in history over a four-year span, uh, according to Rap Sheet and the Pell Razor. Uh, the agreement could reach $218 million with escalators by the end of 26. And here's the thing that's kind of interesting about this one, Greggy. Um, 210 all guaranteed over four years. And the deal, the original mega deal, um, is basically done. It's basically ripped up. So it, it went from him having eight years left on his deal uh, with the Chiefs to three, which really opens the door wide open for the New York Jets. Let's start from that angle. Yeah, I, I didn't think – stop. He <laughs> surprised me. It's like, I've got my dorky contract point to make, and then you hit me with that. It's – it's funny because they said it effectively ends after 2026, but that's unofficially. Officially, it like goes on beyond that, but it's like these weird ghost dummy years that I'm not totally smart enough to fully understand, but they did similar stuff with Drew Brees and Tom Brady in the sense that like we're going to have control of you even though we know we have to make you a new contract at the point, you're not actually going to have any chance to get to the open market. But this was a bigger deal than I expected because it's all guaranteed. It gives him more control sooner in the deal. And I guess it's that point we talked about when he first signed it, that at some point they're going to have to fix him and, and make him the highest paid guy again. And it only took uh, a few years until he was like, I'm sick of 
uh, playing against this dirt bag in Cleveland uh, that has fifty million dollars more guaranteed, and then now like five other quarterbacks have not more tonight, guaranteed Greg. than me. It's it's time. I'm just saying that contract let's not forget that contract i just like i would have had a if i owned a house um i would have um wagered the fact that there was no way he was just going to sit pat in that 10-year deal or whatever it was um you know year after year and just it's of course this was going to happen and like i try to um you know with all the white noise we're dealing with left and right like in this league like the contract stuff cool you got richer you deserve it have a nice day it doesn't affect me <laughs> one of my least favorite uh, recurring storylines uh, I've said it on this podcast of the last three years has been has been the hand wringing about look how underpaid Patrick Mahomes is relative to these other quarterbacks like these contracts he signed a 10 year deal but it wasn't like we were re- revisiting it in 2030 they always make adjustments they always change it and look now yeah look at all the digital links spilled wait and it's it's because <laughs> it's like a salary cap it's 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 socialism inside of a free market em- enterprise. People like the most American thing of all is capping the, these dollars. It's the same reason why LeBron James and Jalen Brown make the same amount of money. It's like you can't give LeBron James any more money. Well, that's it's just like a broken. You, you, that's you a whole get, broken league you, over there. But that's, that's essentially yeah. what this league is. The top ten quarterbacks all make basically the same amount of money because, like, you can't even go any further. No, I would say like Jalen Brown. <laughs> That would be like, I don't know, Jimmy Garoppolo being the highest paid player in the league. Right, but Rudy Gobert makes that money too. It's like it's total it's totally ridiculous. But that's that's Jimmy Garoppolo, Dan, yeah. at one point was the highest paid player in the NFL. See Did a I, nice I, job there. I made that point for you. <laughs> it was before Patrick Mahomes was Remember Patrick when Joe Mahomes, Flacco yes. got his big payday? Right. He like, was too. Joe Flacco. He <laughs> went to McDonald's after signing his big mega deal. <laughs> He's just an average Joe. Oh, anyway. saw, by the way, I saw Joe Flacco in person. I think I told you this a couple of times, like during the New York uh, Super Bowl um, with the snowfall coming down on that Monday morning after and Joe Flacco exited the hotel where I was staying. And it was like in my impression of Joe Flacco was kind of dull, boring, um, but in person, like dashing far taller than you'd expect um, commands a presence like all these like mid-tier looking quarterbacks, like are in person, are like five times more. Yes. Like we've heard what? the Mark has decided Joe Flacco is hot now. Story. I don't. Times. Th- I yeah, don't but you know what? He's it was he's, just striking. He's not person. alone. There's actually a subculture on Twitter of like Baltimore people who just like post pictures of Joe Flacco like at the local McDonald's because he's just like always around walking around he just goes different to McDonald's places. a lot apparently. maybe it's I'm I'm I had McDonald's on the brain but it's just like random places in Baltimore where he's hanging out and he's like really casual and he's kind of looking more like a surfer now and it's just and it's all these I I think uh I think he's popular I think he's popular with the ladies well he's probably going to be the Jets quarterback <laughs> in 3 weeks so maybe he'll get a haircut maybe he won't we'll see the I, you know, speaking of storylines that need to to go away, I don't need to be talking about Cam Akers and the Rams too much longer. Uh, Akers, um, you know, he he disobeyed the the culture or something for Los Angeles and was taken out of the lineup last <laughs> week. And this coming after the drama so last season and 
there was a culture disobeyment then as well. <laughs> and, and, and the culture needs to be adhered to and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports that the Rams have had trade talks centered around running back Cam Akers, which we heard last year as well. No trade last year. And guess what? I don't imagine any team is going to want a malcontent on their team anyway. So he'll probably just get released in a couple of days. Well, they did a bad job by um, whoever, you know, leaked uh, all this the cultural reporting. Why let that um, get out there about this so-called malcontent before you try to shop him for what, like a tube of chapstick? I'm not sure where you're getting a return. <laughs> he had 29 yards on 22 carries in week one. What is the asking price? Well, maybe the Giants, would they give up a seventh round pick that could upgrade to a sixth round pick if he had 200 carries or, or even just swap seventh round picks so that the Rams don't have to have the embarrassment of cutting this guy. But you're right, Mark, because that sideline report, I hope all the teams know about that sideline report of like whatever the culture thing was. I think it was that he didn't, you have to pledge allegiance to the Rams when you walk in. It's this whole thing about Les Snead and McVeigh, and and he didn't do that when he walked into the building. Uh, he didn't then McVeigh McVay tried to say afterwards, "Oh no, it was nothing. We just thought it was best for the team. He's been great." It's like no one, no one's believing you. You have disobeyed the culture. <laughs> if you disobey and do not follow our culture, you will be eliminated. Something like that. Kyron Williams fantasy owners, let's go. Two big games. I mean, if I'm going to give up like a day three draft pick for a running back in today's NFL, I'm going to go get Jonathan Taylor for a fifth. I mean, that's just <laughs> me. In other news, here's some injury, quick injury stuff before we say goodbye. Hmm. Browns, uh, Jonathan Taylor. That would be kind of spicy. By the way. Hmm. Anthony Richardson and Jalen Waddell, Colts quarterback, Dolphins wide receiver, both in concussion protocol. They have to clear that. Uh, to play in week three. We shall see. Uh, Lions running back David Montgomery. Uh, he's out a few weeks. Uh, what did he get hurt? What, what what was his malady? It was a quad injury, and he quad. told reporters in the locker room, Odd quad. yeah, it's going to take a couple weeks. And then Dan Campbell went on the podium like 20 minutes later and was said he's day-to-day. So that, that's one team that like they haven't gotten the injury messaging across to their players because David not Montgomery yet. was just being honest, but David, Dan Campbell was not. <laughs> Right, he just he, he walked up to the, the assembled media and said, I got an odd quad. <laughs> James Houston, their pass rusher, out six to eight weeks. <laughs> and um, Halo Vitae uh, may go to, uh, to injured reserve. So They only have um, the, their defense, which you know looked improved against the Chiefs. A lot of questions coming out of the Seahawks game. Um, one sack on the year. You've, you've lost Houston. Um, Charles Harris, decent player. You've got the Okwara brother, Julian and Romeo are brothers as pass rushers on this team. That's an unusual scenario. I, that I, that was news to me. Um, but you're, you're kind of thin there. You, like, and I, I thought they didn't really. They had a chance where they're playing the Seahawks on Sunday with two backup tackles and didn't impact the game much. Um, so I don't love that for Detroit. Like, I, I I I'm a little concerned about the depth at edge. All right. Also, the Cardinals were without Buda Baker, their best defensive player, on Sunday against the Giants. And uh, get used to it because he's headed to injured reserve with mm. a hamstring injury. He'll be eligible to return week seven uh, against uh, the Seahawks. 
And finally, in injury news, Eagles cornerback Avante Maddox, he'll undergo surgery for a torn peck. That's never a good thing. Many times it will cost you the season. Also, this is a bad one, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the man who started the blue mask uh, trend in Detroit, he is out indefinitely with a potentially torn Mm. pectoral is the report. Um, NFL Network Insiders Rappaport and Garofolo reported Monday night, Monday night he could miss the rest of the season as well. Ouchers, he's an important part of what they do and a, a leader in that locker room. And um, finally, uh, I don't know how plugged in people are on this, uh, but in our town where we live, it is a, a Mondo deal. Uh, there are a couple of different strikes going on right now that have completely shut down the entertainment industry uh and because of that networks and streamers and everyone else are scrambling for content and things to put on the air this fall well abc uh they shrug their shoulders and and they're just going to put the entire monday night football slate uh, on their um i guess you know channel seven where i grew up um uh so their network channel i I feel like uh, espn's like hey wait a second that sucks but i guess maybe they get the ratings i don't know Right. I was thinking like if they're they're going to do this and it's the same company, it's like the same, you know, four companies that own the entire world. Like, why don't just do this the whole time? You could have just had Monday Night Football. I'm sure it's doing better than, uh, you know, the repeats of Elias. I can't think of an ABC show. Was that a show? (laughs) I haven't watched an ABC show since the Wonder Years. So let me see. ABC (laughs) hit shows. Dan, I grew up with Channel 7 too. Grey's Anatomy. Like, I, I grew up with Channel 7, too. I was just wondering, like, um, I was just thinking this, like, reading all this, it's like, uh, how many, what is the subset of people that if you are attached to cable, which everyone has been for 40 years at this point, that you don't have ESPN, but you do have ABC? I feel like there's more people that have ESPN and don't care about ABC or have ABC. Hmm. It feels like a weird... Uh, I don't know who you're, what subset let's bring, you're trying let's to Let's bring the satellite back. Let's bring, they are kind of coming back. I don't know if you know this. Uh, we're bringing it back, Dan. Satellite dishes. People are, you, people are buying the, the old bunny ears, and uh, you don't have to pay anything. You just buy the ears. You put them up, and uh, you can watch some uh, Jake Browning versus the Rams next Monday night. Cool. Here's some <laughs> ABC shows. I mentioned Anatomy. Blackish, I think that's still a show. That was that was a hit. Abbott Elementary, that's got good pop. I, I watched one up. It was fine. Shark uh, Tank. Colleen, Colleen lo- loves and Keisha love Abbott Elementary. Yeah, that that I, that trip to Tybee was like all Abbott Elementary, and I fell for it too. I, I'm a fan. I didn't follow it up after that weekend, but I was a fan. I um I believe it's set in like Philadelphia, so that that I'm sure factors in as well. Apparently, America's Funniest Home Videos. Mark is still in the air. Um, there's a show. <laughs> Those called videos Once Upon are a still Time. funny. Uh, oh, The Bachelor. That's a big one. That's their biggie. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a biggie. I think Elias is 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 set to come back. Uh, Jennifer Garner 2.0. Let's do it. And I guess Wonder Years is back on again. Is that it? Uh, they've rebooted it. In a, they did. A, they did reboot yeah. it. No, you don't say. New situation. Great. That's great. That's what we do now. We don't have new ideas anymore. We just reboot good ideas from 30 years ago and try to pass Mm. them off. That's where society's at. Big Funk uh, in our our, uh, chat here lets us know there's a trend of of Gen Z Mm -hmm. uh, on TikTok using paper clips or staples even uh, as antennas on their TV, and they can make it happen. So that sounds like a, a fun thing. 
aren't you plucky underdogs? Uh, and also, uh, Funk says it actually just got canceled. Is Wonder, Wonder years, years, I believe, is gone. Tough. I mean, everything's getting canceled. Tough. I'm glad we're not canceled. Well, just wait. <laughs> Everybody's number gets called eventually. <laughs> eventually. Uh, all right. Uh, weird night. I hope I hope you're okay, Nick Chubb. I know you're not okay right now. Uh, let's get him back on the field week one next year, uh, Adrian Peterson style, uh, Peterson style, and uh, and that would be nice. Uh, and uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with the great Colleen Wolf, and uh, check out our NFL Plus game of the week, uh, which uh, was Falcons Packers, and uh, it's all coming up again around the bend. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.